back to another episode of Jake's Takes. My name is Jake. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the podcast. With me uh, in this episode is my brother Sam. Uh, good to be back. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for uh, being here. So um, on today's episode of the podcast, we're going to talk about first the NBA Finals, which is going to be the uh, first portion of this podcast where we're going to talk about Game 1 and Game 2, talk about um, our thoughts on that, and then a look ahead for the other um, games in the series. Um, it's tied 1-1, and uh, we will talk about that then. Um, in my last video, I did my free agency predictions, and so I have a few free agency predictions that I'm going to toss to Sam and see what his thoughts on where those guys are going. And then I'm going to finish the video, or I guess we'll finish the video, talking about, um, I guess, the Celtics and talking about sort of what their plans are for this offseason, where do you think they'll go, and um, kind of what you think uh, their um, Danny Ainge and company is thinking. So um, last night was game two, um, and on May 30th was game one, and basically game one, Toronto ended up winning this game um, by eight points, um, or I guess nine points, 109 to, or 118. And then in uh, the second game, which was uh, yesterday, they ended up losing by five points. Toronto Golden State won. Uh, I was watching the game at the end, and actually uh, Andre Iguodala hit this big three-point shot. Everyone was so ecstatic if you're a Golden State fan, but um, I actually, when reading this, um, I read an article today that said uh, Steph Curry actually traveled in that possession, which ended up giving Andre Iguodala the ball, and he should have been called with the travel and there would have been 13 seconds left, down by three for Toronto, but instead the call was missed, and it just went, and they ended up losing Toronto. So um, how do you think it's going so far um, for both sides? Yeah, I mean, going into the series, you kind of expected that Toronto was going to win at least one at home. Uh, I wasn't going to be surprised if the Warriors ended up stealing one uh, on the road, but overall, I think so far it's been not the best for Toronto in that you, if they were going to have a chance to win, you wanted to take the first two at home. I think that just looking at the box score uh, in game two, Kawhi with 34 points, and then aside from that, no one else breaking 20. Uh, I think that that kind of tells a story. I mean, I know Siakam had, what, 30 or so uh, game one, but I think that that box score of just really it being the Kawhi show for Toronto, uh, it, it kind of goes bodes well with my predictions going forward where he's going to be next year, a.k.a. not in Toronto. You kind of expected this um, go, from uh, the series. I wasn't also been pretty surprised if Toronto ended up winning both games. But uh, going forward, if I think that if the Toronto steals one uh, – away and then going forward. Uh, yeah, I think it's definitely going to be an interesting series. And something I was looking at, just looking at Boston game two, they used three guys off the bench. And I know Golden State, looking at both, used a majority of their bench players. And so, I mean, I guess when you have Steph and Clay and Draymond, you really don't have to, you know, use all those guys at once. And so they can get those guys uh, kind of uh, getting their minutes as well. Yeah, but you also got to think if Katie was revenged, then uh, Toronto. But if Katie was playing, that's probably what thirty-five minutes. Thirty-five minutes. Cook would probably get less, and maybe Jarabko would get less. But 
still, they're still a lot deeper, hundred percent. But just with 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 KD, they're definitely a... on your point about game one and two with Toronto. Winning game one and winning game two for Toronto would have been important because if you get down the series six seven games, you know having three guys playing in the bench, you're going to be tired, and they want to play their bench. But right now they have at least five four or five guys playing off the bench to game seven, and it gets down to the finals at the end. You know, Toronto is going to be because they just don't play as big of a, a bench. And when you look at the depth chart, you know, I know they with a few guys, but, you know, you got to, if you're Toronto, spread out uh, the minutes a little bit. Yeah, I mean, having Fred Van Fleet playing 38 minutes a game, I mean, he should having more of a balanced attack. I mean, eight players and the majority of them playing at least this series does get deep into five or six games, even seven. Yeah, it's definitely Golden State's going to win that just because it's the first game at home. They got all the fans. Um, uh, it's going to be Golden State victory, I think. Game four is going to be the most important one because if I'm tied series, but if they don't do what they need to do and they end up losing that, I think it's over. And I don't know if um, they lose game three and game four, uh, despite having Kawhi Leonard in a good team. Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, like you said, most likely Golden State winning game three, uh, just in terms of getting back home and then uh, – doing what they have to do. I think that if they, if Toronto does win game four, I think that going into game five at home, riding that momentum a little bit, uh, definitely gives them a pretty good shot of going up 3-2 in the series. Uh, I think that if it does get to that point, um, they're going to be looking pretty good, but I, it's, a, it's a tough road for Toronto, to say the least. I think that a lot of it's stacked against them, and especially if KD comes back, I think that going forward, it's going to be tougher. It's just going to be tougher. I mean, I don't know where you're standing on. Is Are the Warriors a better team with or without KD? Uh, does Steph definitely plays better without KD, but what's your uh, stance on that one? I think the team flows better without KD. I think they play better basketball without KD. And I think, if anything, uh, if Kevin Durant comes back and they lose, let's say he comes back for Game 3 or Game 4, and they lose that game, then a lot of people are going to be saying, oh, well, they should have just kept Durant on the bench. And, you know, I think going back to the pre-Kevin Durant, they looked very good, and they looked like, you know, they had Harrison Barnes, and they had um, that sort of David Lee, and they kind of played great basketball against Cleveland. And then when Durant came, they were good, but I feel like they lost a step. Um, I know last year they kind of blew out Cleveland, but I feel like they lost a step with Durant, and I think... You know, there were a few series um, that they just didn't look like themselves, and I think Durant is kind of a cause for that. And so if you're Kevin Durant and you see the Warriors are playing great basketball without you, does that impact free agency decisions, or do you feel like um, that doesn't really matter at this point? Well, I think first to touch on, I think I saw a stat without KD, the Warriors are... 30 and one or something crazy like that. I think they just play better basketball without him. Like you mentioned prior, the prior series um, with Harrison Barnes without KD. I think that they, they're just a completely different team. Uh, Steph, he gets to do what he does best, a little more space, a little more ball dominance. But I think that what you were kind of mentioning, you know, if, if KD is healthy, he's going to play. There's really no question about that. I think that he's one of the best players. Obviously he's one of the best players in the league. And just to say, oh, well, we're playing 
pretty good without him. I think that it would be silly to sit him. I mean, in terms of a minutes restriction of with injuries, I don't know going forward what that's going to be. But I think that if you have one of the best players, even though they do, they may be a better team without him, I think that at the end of the day, going forward, if this is a deep series, like you mentioned, I think that you're going to have to have as much depth as you can and having him at least to spread a little bit of the load uh, may be a little better. Yeah, I would agree. Um, if it gets to that point and he comes in, I'm sure it'll be something that they'll be looking forward to. And then going off what you're saying in terms of free agency, I mean, he, he definitely knows that they're, at least record-wise, they're, they're a better team without him. I think that going forward, I mean, we'll talk about this a little bit down uh, at the end of the podcast with predictions, that, that that 100% has to be taken into account, and he has to be considering that when going forward. I mean, he's this isn't Katie's team. It's Steph's no. teams, but th- without a doubt. I mean, I think it's even Clay Thompson's team over Durant's. Team. Oh, 100%. I mean, they were there yeah. first, even though I mean, I think Katie is better than all three of them. But to be honest with you, it's Steph's team, it's Clay's team, it's Draymond's team over Durant because they've been there. They won the championships before he was there, and they've won championships after. And they'll be in contention if Durant leaves. It's not like they really need him, and so I don't. I'm guessing Durant feels that to an extent because you come here. Just to win championships, I feel like he now knows that this really isn't his team. And I think his whole purpose wasn't to come here to make it his team. I think it was just to win championships because it was the easiest route to get that. But I think for him, he's going to want to go somewhere where maybe he does have a chance to make it his team. Because there are a lot of teams out there in free agency that really could use a guy like him. And it would be his team, whether it's Brooklyn, New York, the Clippers, etc. Yeah, but the question is, if he teams up with the Kyrie or Anthony Davis, will it ever really be his team? You know, two two all-star caliber talents, two superstars come in at the same time. And, I mean, it's not automatically going to be KD's team just because he's better. What is if it turns out that AD plays better or, or just helps the team win more when Kevin Durant isn't playing or is injured or whatever? I think that's a lot going forward. But I think that, without a doubt, I mean, Golden State's Steph's team It'll always be Steph's team unless he ends up leaving, which, I mean, it's never going to happen. No, but, but I think that that's definitely something that you're going to consider. You know, he definitely came to the Warriors to win championships, but now that he's won championships, you know, what does he want his legacy to be? And going forward, what does he want to get out of a team? And what does he want to, you know, make his legacy be? I think uh, for him now... He's got the championships. I think his legacy now is going somewhere where he can try and win on his own. And I think that's the same thing that LeBron kind of did. Uh, LeBron started in Cleveland, and then he went to Miami to win championships because he knew that was the best place to go. And then he ended up going back to Cleveland because he thought, hey, you know, I want to be on my own. I don't want to be on Dwayne Wade's Miami Heat. I want to be my own team. So he goes to Cleveland, and he wins a championship there. And so I think Durant now is hitting that same phase that LeBron hit where he's like, I won championships in Golden State. This will never be my team. I want to go somewhere where I can, you know, go and it can be my team. And even when you think about Cleveland, I mean, Kyrie was there first, and you could argue that it was originally Kyrie's team. Granted, uh, LeBron came in and basically shook everything up and made it his own, but, you know, it was Kyrie's team first. He got drafted there. He was the star. And so... Whether you know Durant goes to New York or somewhere else and has another guy with him or not, 
I think it's still going to be Durant's team, and I think he's the superstar above everyone else. And so I think this is for his career. It kind of mirrors what LeBron James did, where he wants to go somewhere else and kind of prove himself basically on his own and show people, hey, I was great with Golden State, but I'm just as good on my own. Yeah, but let's say he teams up with, like, Anthony Davis. You know, who's to say that's really going to be Kevin Durant's team? I mean, there's always going to be a little bit of, like, oh, well, I mean, is it 100% your team? Like, whenever LeBron going to the Lakers and LeBron going to Cleveland from Miami, I think that you know it's it's LeBron's team. He's orchestrating everything behind the scenes. He's doing everything in his own interest. I think that that goes without a doubt that it's his team, even with the Steph Curry thing. Cool. He's been he was there first. I know you mentioned Kyrie was there first, but it's any team LeBron goes to, it's going to be his team. Um, but just going forward, you know, what, what does he want out of the, out of uh, out of his last seasons as a? Does he want just championships, or like you mentioned, does he want to kind of pave out a different way for him? I think he wants to pave out you know a different way. I think he's had his championships, and I think right now he wants to be cemented in a franchise and he wants to be you know someone who is um part of a franchise like that and i think you know golden state fans will always love kevin durant but i feel like it will never be uh the same feelings he has for steph curry or clay thompson because those are like the guys who were there when they weren't number one overall and then they ended up winning when it got that far and so i think um for durant now he wants to go somewhere where he can really kind of go forward and be his own person and be on his own team and kind of show everyone, you know, what he is made of and kind of cement himself in the arc or in the history of whatever franchise. Yeah, but is. if he teams up with Kyrie, is he ever going to be like like you mentioned on his own? Is he going to is it going to be his own team? I mean, I don't know. Um, he they leave, they go to to the Knicks. You know, it, is that going to be just, it's Kevin Durant's team, Kyrie means nothing, or Anthony Davis means nothing. Is it going to be, like, just his own team? No. It's, it's, I feel like there's only a few number of people that can say, like, oh, this is their own team. I mean, maybe if he went to the Knicks, no one followed him for two years, and then he ended up recruiting people and he all these backdoor meetings and stuff. You know, maybe you could say that was his team. He kind of orchestrated things, but... I mean, if they're going at the same time and they're just being equally as important to the success of the team, you know, how much can you say, oh, it's his team? I guess. But now, uh, I, I don't really know at that point, but if you look at some other situations just in history, like, let's look at the Celtics when they were 2008. Would you say that was Paul Pierce's team or would you say that was really no one's team because they were not that good before and then they brought in KG and Ray Allen? And they're all superstars at that point. Would you say it's anyone's team at that state? Or yeah, it's definitely Paul Pierce's team. Paul Pierce was there during the dark dark ages, you know, before Ray Allen or Kevin Garnett even came to the picture. I think that you know Paul Pierce was there from the beginning and spent the majority of his career there. I think that it goes kind of goes without saying that it was Paul Pierce's team. I think that even though bringing in those superstar talents, you know, it definitely changed the dynamic there in Boston. But I think that. It would have been a little different if, like, for example, Boston was not so great and then they were all free agents and they all came in or the Celtics all traded for them at the same time. You know, that dynamic's definitely different. But, you know, it, it was definitely Paul Pierce's team at, 
to a certain extent. Not so much as the LeBron thing, but it was definitely Paul Pierce's team. Like like when it was Kobe all those years in, on the Lakers, you know, it was Kobe's team. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it, I guess the best player doesn't always have to be their team in that sense. And yeah, because Steph's not the best player. No. And I, I definitely agreed with you to an extent that having two big free agents come in, you know, it makes a difference. And there really is no, you know, this is one person's team over the other. I guess the only exception would be Miami because Dwayne Wade started there and that was kind of his That's team true, to start. Yeah. But I would say unless someone gets drafted there and then, um, you know, they recruit other players, it's very difficult to have one person be his team or whatnot. And so I, I guess in your sense, it makes a lot of sense, your points with Kevin Durant and if he brings in someone else and, you know, that sort of situation. And so I guess the same thing with the Celtics, if they keep Kyrie and they get Anthony Davis, Anthony Davis is better than Kyrie, but I still think it would be Kyrie's team just because he was there before. And I feel like, you know, he would be that guy. Yeah, but I mean, I think that part of it is really embodying like the whole culture. Like you can see Steph, like he's, he's going to be there his whole career. He embodies that thing of this is, you know, my team. He kind of orchestrate, maybe orchestrated things behind the scenes. You know, it, if Kyrie ends up staying, I mean, there was all this turmoil and stuff going through this whole season. And, you know, really, would it be his team? I mean, no, if he ends up re-signing, he's going to say, oh, you know, Boston for life, all this stuff. But, you know, how to, to what extent is he really embodying that thing of being a Celtic and, like, leading a team and stuff like that? You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I guess I agree with I kind of agree with you on that. I mean, this wouldn't be a free agency. Kyrie drama wouldn't be a thing if he was committed to the Celtics. Like, Steph Curry would sign his contract yeah. with Golden State no matter what. Dwayne Wade, same thing. Paul Pierce wouldn't have an issue. No. There wouldn't be any, oh, is he staying? Is he going? Paul Pierce brought in two talents because he was saying, I'm committed to this team. Yes. So, in that sense, Kyrie might not, it might not be his team. I think. To be honest with you, with the Celtics, I think it's always going to be Danny Ainge's team because he's just been so successful. Yeah. So no matter who you throw in there for a superstar, you'll never have someone who is better than Danny Ainge in that sense. So and when considering like team, like who whose team is it? I mean, it never really has to be someone's team. I mean, there's a lot of blurred lines where it's like, oh, it's not definitively this or that. There's definitely a lot of debate that goes into it. But I mean, you can kind of see like Lakers. That's LeBron's team right now. It used to be Kobe's team. You know, the Warriors and Steph, but other than that, there's really not too much to definitively. I guess you could maybe say, like, with Toronto, if he, Kawhi ends up staying, that's his team. I'd say Giannis in Milwaukee, that's yeah, his that's team. Yeah, that's true, yeah. And I'd say Popovich with the Spurs, he's not a player, but I'd say it's his team. Would you have said that it was Tim Duncan's team? I would have said it was Popovich's team. And even, I, even with all those great Even years. with all those great players, I would still say. And if Kawhi Leonard stayed in San Antonio, I still would have said it was Pop's team, not San, uh, not Kawhi's, because he's the one who orchestrated this whole championship run that the Spurs had. So I think in most franchises, you do have a point. There isn't really one specific person who you can say this is their team, because most of them aren't really that good. I mean, Michael Jordan was the Bulls guy, but I don't think they have one now, and I think there are just so many teams like that that don't have... There's a lot of middle-of-the-road teams with just a lot of moving pieces and, a, you know, just trying to make it And work. there's a lot of great players. Like, I think 
D'Angelo Russell's a great player, but I don't think he's. It's Brooklyn. It's his team. He I would have. He would have a long way to go. A yeah. lot of progress and a lot of orchestrating, if you will, to go to really make yes. that. Brooklyn. Makes sense. So, uh, switching gears here. Last week, I focused my topic on uh, free agency, and I gave you guys another uh, free agency prediction video updated. And I gave you a long, extensive list of um, at least, I believe, 30 or more players. And so I picked a few of the top players uh, at the moment. And I asked Sam to give me his predictions on those guys. You heard mine. So let's hear yours. Um, so a few of them. I'll give you, we'll go one at a time. I'll give you what I think. And you can give me what you think. So I'll start with Kawhi because he's playing right now I think that he's the most fresh in my mind I think that at the beginning of the season it's all right one and done with Kawhi I think that was my mentality of you know the odds of him staying is probably pretty slim but I think the thing with Kawhi and the kind of my reasoning with kind of Kyrie a little bit is I think that people don't take into account so much how good the team is doing I think that if Kyrie ended up going to the finals and making a run at the championship I think that the talks in Boston would be a lot different. I think that people don't realize, oh, these guys are going for a year. They're probably going to end up going somewhere else. What is if they end up liking it and they have success? I think that Kawhi going deep in the playoffs and having a run at the title, really, it doesn't make things too black and white anymore. And I think that that's why there's a lot of blurred lines with Kyrie with the Celtics. And so I think with Kawhi, I, I think that you can get a better sense of it going forward after the NBA Finals, I think that if he wins the NBA Finals, he's staying. There's no question about that in my mind because I think that how can he, maybe he'll get a little title hungry and want some more. Maybe he likes it there in Toronto. I think it's not so black and white as people may think. Um, so I think that to have a better grasp on Kawhi, I think that we need to see the end of the series. But I think that I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up staying in Toronto. I think that if I had to guess, I'd put money on him staying in Toronto. But I've also heard the Clippers. I don't know what you said about it, but I've, I've also heard rumored about the Clippers, yeah. him going to the Clippers. But. I've heard the rumors about the Clippers, but I said uh, he's staying just because of the fact that they've made it this far. And whether they win or not, I feel like he's still going to want to stay because if he wins, he's going to want to keep winning championships yeah. here. If he doesn't, he's going to want to get another chance at getting that. And so I think... If he loses to Golden State, he's going to feel like, okay, if I go to the West, if I go somewhere like the Clippers, I don't have a good shot. If I stay in Toronto, my chances skyrocket. Yeah, and I think that the thing is, I think that what's going on with the Raptors front office is you need to come to Kawhi and say, this is our plan. I think that their current team's not going to win a championship in the future. I think that he's going to need more than that. Oh, we're going to go out and get so-and-so. We're going to try and do this and that. I think that if Toronto comes, their front office comes with a good plan, I think that that's really going to solidify him staying, him seeing into their vision and saying this is what we're going to do going forward. I think that in terms of the Clippers, I've heard a lot of people, you know, oh, they have the cap space, oh, they have the potential to land people. But, I mean, I know I've heard Jimmy Butler possibly the Clippers. I know I've heard Kawhi possibly the Clippers. I've heard Durant. But, yeah, I think there's too many, you know, oh, they could go there. But I think that at the end of the day, I think that it's safe to say that Kawhi, most, if I had to guess, would go to, to the Raptors. But again, nothing for sure. No, and yeah, I would 
definitely agree with you on that. But I think this series in this year, you know, has given Kawhi Leonard a total 180 on him and kind of what he has thought and his kind of mindset. And I think Toronto might be the spot that he stays. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the Clippers, uh, Gallinari's on a pretty big contract for two more years, $21 million. And then Chandler, Wilson Chandler, has a $12 million contract for just one more year. And then Lou Williams has an $8 million contract for two years with, a, with an option. Uh, Temple has an $8 million contract for one more year. I mean, there's a lot of really, really short-term contracts that are going to be running out. And uh, they definitely have the cap space to orchestrate something, but I just, there's not, hasn't been too much definitive about, like, this is who they're really pursuing. This is who they're trying to team up with to make me believe that, oh, yeah, Kawhi, Kawhi's going to be going there. Or I, I feel pretty strongly about saying that he's going to go there. Yeah, I would just say he, I would just say Toronto, and that's uh, where I stand on that. Now, um, Kyrie, I said he's staying with Boston, and I know a lot of people think the Knicks are where he's going. I've actually heard Brooklyn is now, I believe, the favorite because he lives uh, in New Jersey, which is close to where the Nets are. And I still think it's the Celtics because I think um, a couple of reasons. One, I think Anthony Davis, I'll talk about Anthony Davis more, but I think they're going to get him. And I think one of the problems that Kawhi Leonard, or sorry, uh, Kyrie Irving had with you know, the Celtics was there was a lot of young players who were kind of saying, hey, we got so far the year before, and now you're here and we're not doing so hot. But I think if you get Anthony Davis, which I think they will do, they'll get rid of Tatum, they'll get rid of whatever other assets. Rozier's walking, so you're going to basically lose almost all of those young guys who were causing problems in your locker room. And the issues that other players had, such as Marcus Morris and Marcus Smart, they were all caused by these young players who were feeling like, oh, we're the third picks, we're these top players, we deserve like the credit, and Kyrie's here, now we're not doing so hot. So I think one of the reasons why Kyrie was pissed off and upset this whole season is because he had to deal with the Tatums and the Browns, and I think if Danny Ainge figures this out and realizes that's the problem, he's going to get rid of those guys, trade them for Anthony Davis, and then he'll have Kyrie Irving, Al Horford, Gordon Hayward, and Anthony Davis all playing together in a veteran unit without really having these young players in this organization. And I think Kyrie Irving, if that happens, which I think it will, he's staying, and I don't see him leaving. Yeah, I think that thought process of there being troubles in the locker room and Danny Ainge trying to alleviate that problems by bringing in Anthony Davis, getting rid of some of those young guys, I, I, I see where you're going with that. I think that Terry Rozier, I mean, he can find another point guard. I mean, he's just been, this year, it seems like locker room-wise has been a problem. Uh, I'll, I'll welcome a new point guard, even if it, it's going to take a little bit of a hit. I mean, it's not like he's an all-star talent. No. I mean, he'll be <laughs> he'll be a good starter for the Magic or maybe Phoenix or something, but I, I, I'm not too heartbroken over losing Terry. No. And I think that what you were saying, kind of with AD and Kyrie kind of pairs up, I think that... The Celtics have the best offer for Anthony Davis, and I think that pairing that with not, I think that they wouldn't want to trade Anthony Davis to a Western Conference team. I think that trading him to an Eastern Conference team makes more sense. Uh, again, whether that be the Knicks or you know the Celtics, one or the other, I think it's definitely going to be an Eastern Conference team. Uh, the question I have for you though is. 
do you think that something doesn't get done and possibly he plays the remainder of the season to the trade deadline? For Anthony Davis, I would say probably not because I think while David Griffin would like to do that, he knows, and he's a smart man, the value for Anthony Davis goes significantly lower. And so if Anthony Davis is traded by the draft or by the end of the offseason, then more teams are going to be involved and more teams are going to offer up more assets. And if you're looking for a player like Jason Tatum or Lonzo Ball, he's going to be involved in a trade if you do it beforehand. If you go to the deadline, Celtics are not going to trade for a guy like that. They want Anthony Davis on their roster, and I feel like most teams would want Anthony Davis on their roster before the season starts so they can plan out how the season's going to work. And I just think David Griffin's a smart man. He did a good job in Cleveland, and I think he's going to do a good job here. And so for me, it doesn't make sense for him to you know, hold this out because Anthony Davis has said he's not changing his mind. He wants to leave. So if you're, you know, David Griffin, just do it and just get as much as you can for uh, Anthony Davis. Yeah, I think that where I'm kind of going with this, I think that in terms of Kyrie, I don't, I don't really see him going to Brooklyn. I don't know who he would team up with in Brooklyn to kind of win a championship. I mean, if if he did go to Brooklyn, obviously Dandrell Russell's out. Um, but I think that. You know, having to deal with Kyrie right now, and if he was more steadfast of, all right, I'm staying, you know, this is what we're going to do, I think that maybe Anthony Davis, that that idea may be a little little bit easier, per, per se. Um, I still think that there's so many questions, and so much of it is speculation. I think that the next couple of weeks, we'll definitely get a better idea of what's going to happen. But I think that at the end of the day, they're going to they're, they're try and do what's best to make win a championship. And I think that for Anthony Davis, the best way to win a championship would be teaming up with Kyrie. Again, a little biased being a Celtics fan, but I mm-hmm. think that at the end of the day, that's what everyone's trying to do. I think that Danny Ainge, the master that he is, will try and make that happen in any way possible. Um, what, what was your uh, Anthony Davis trade? Like, what, what was your prediction on that? So... Are you talking about what you what do you, trade for him, or where do you think he's going to go? No, what do you? Well, don't you think he's going to go to Boston? I think he's going to go to Boston. Yeah, yeah. So what, what I would do you offer up? Yeah. So we already kind of got this answer from David Griffin before. So when he left Cleveland and was working for NBA TV, they asked him if you had Anthony Davis or would trade for Anthony Davis if it was your team, what would you do? And he basically said he wants in this interview one transcendent young player, one veteran who really makes a difference on your roster, and one very good draft pick. And then that's where it starts. And so people in the last few weeks have been hearkening back to that interview now that Anthony Davis is with the Pelicans and, you know, now that David Griffin's with the Pelicans, they've been saying, oh, you know, how's that going to fit in? And so When you look at the Celtics, they give the best offer because it checks off every box. You have the young, transcendent player who, yes, he had a hit in his value this year, but Jason Tatum, I think he can easily flourish in a Zion Williams, uh, Drew Holiday-led New Orleans Pelicans. I think he'll be better suited in New Orleans than Boston because there's less players he has to deal with in terms of minutes and scoring, etc. And then the transcendent you know, draft pick, that Memphis pick, a lot of people are underestimating that value, but uh, next year's draft, from all I've heard, 
is going to be a lot better than this year's draft. And this year's draft, they're saying, is a three-player uh, draft. R.J., Barrett, uh, Ja Morant, and then Zion. And everyone else drops off significantly from four to five, etc. And a lot of people are saying next year's draft is going to be heavy with point guards, and it's going to be very deep compared to this one. And so whether the Celtics get the seventh pick next year or they wait till 2021 and get a top five pick unprotected, from Memphis, that's going to have a lot of value. And then you look at a really good role player who can make a difference on your team. I think Marcus Smart brings that. He's only 11.5 million contracts, and he's got three years left, and he's great on defense, and he's a great hustler, great team player, and he would be a perfect complement to Drew Holiday in the backcourt in New Orleans. And so when you look at every other team out there, if you look at the Lakers, they have uh, you know good players in, I think, Alonzo Ball and Kuzma. They don't have a veteran of a Marcus Smart type because most of their guys are older, minimum contracts, or I guess LeBron, but they wouldn't trade LeBron. And then, you know, that draft pick has lost a lot of value because most people say, you know, after three, the fourth pick's not worth it. Then if you look at the Knicks, the Knicks have the third pick, which is valuable, but they don't have that Marcus Smart type player on their team. And when you look at their young players, Kevin Knox had a terrible rookie season, and Mitchell Robinson's good, but not great. And then Dennis Smith Jr. has been already traded once. How's that look if you get traded again? So I think the Celtics, from what David Griffin wants and what you know, Celtics are willing to give up, they have everything. And so I think if you trade the Memphis pick, you trade the 14th pick, you trade Tatum, you trade Smart, and then maybe Yabuselli just to throw in for salary, then I think that's a fair deal. Both sides work, and we're happy. Yeah, I think that... That definitely makes a lot of sense on paper. I think that, you know, with the addition of the Lakers pick, I, that definitely boosted their chances a little bit. But I think that at the end of the day, the Celtics still have the best offer. I think that having to get rid of Mark Smart, Tatum, you know, and the pick, it's definitely well beyond worth it. Uh, who else did you have in there? I had uh, just for salary, Yabuselli, and then I had the 14th pick in Memphis's uh, next year's pick. Yeah. yeah. So what's the conditions on the Memphis pick? Top six next year and unprotected afterwards. So Yeah, so that's going to be a heavy asset in in the bargaining. I think that, you know, like you mentioned, this year's draft, give, giving up this year's draft picks wouldn't be too, too heartbreaking for the Celtics. I think that, you know, like you mentioned, next year's draft is going to be a lot better going forward. But I think that, you know, having to give up, what do they have, three picks? Even yeah. if they had to give up two, I wouldn't be too upset about that no. in order to get that talent now. Again, Tatum, he, he had a tough playoffs, I will admit that, but you know he had a, he had a solid season, and I think that going forward, he's, he's definitely going to be an all-star some, sometime in his career. But I think that the mentality of let's win now, let's try and get something going, and like you were saying, you know, let, let, let's maybe try and get some veterans in here to, to you know, help the locker room tension, as you will, uh, for lack of a better term. I think that that's, that's definitely good going forward. And uh, I think that that plan on paper is sound. You know, is Danny Ainge thinking that way? Maybe a little bit, but, you know, <laughs> it, and I think that going forward, that's definitely a good mindset for the Celtics. I think so. And just looking at um, his percentages, looking at Tatum overall, um, his average, he averaged 14 points. This is just total between his two years, if it's averaged out. 14 points. He is... Uh, about 40% from three, which is pretty good, 84% from the line, five uh, and a half rebounds, um, 
just overall Tatum is someone who has the potential to be a very good player in the NBA. And I think the problem for him is having Kyrie, Gordon Hayward, now Horford really takes away from your chance to shine. And, you know, when you're the third overall pick like he was in 2017, you expect to go to a team that doesn't have, you know, those types of players. And so you get more minutes. And I think if Tatum was on a different team at this point, he probably would have been a little bit better just because um, he doesn't have to deal with all the other, you know, you know, star quality type players that the Celtics have. And I think for him, you know, getting a change of scenery would be nice. And I think just in general, Anthony Davis wants to go to a winning team. And I think the Celtics have the best chance at that. If you look at the Lakers, their organization, top to bottom, has a lot of holes, especially with the fact that Magic Johnson left the team so abruptly and then went on ESPN and ranted about how many problems they have. And then if you look at the Knicks, they've been a dumpster fire for the past five years. And, you know, James Dolan's a terrible owner. And, you know, I don't think I've heard anyone say a bad thing about Danny Ainge or Wick Grusbeck or any of those guys. Maybe, you know, they don't want to trade with them as much because he always, you know, fleeces these teams. But besides that, I think Danny Ainge has won pretty much every trade. And I think, you know, Danny Ainge knows what he's doing. And I think this is going to happen at some point, probably before the draft. Yeah, so just going back to what, to the basis of what we were talking about, uh, free agency. So we got Kyrie down, we got Kawhi down, we got, we got AD, AD down, down, and then uh, just Kemba. I mean, I think that de facto, I think he, because the Knicks aren't going to get Kyrie, if I didn't explicitly say I'm saying Kyrie's staying with Boston, I think that Kyrie definitely could go to the Knicks. That would be a good second choice for them. I think that possibly if uh, D'Angelo Russell doesn't stay with Brooklyn, you know, he could end up with the Knicks. Uh, so those are both possibilities. Additionally, you know, Kemba could end up, I've heard Phoenix and, you know, definitely Orlando needs a point guard. But I think that being that Kyrie isn't going to stay with, uh, is going to stay with rather, excuse me, uh, with the Celtics, I think that going forward, they're probably going to want the second best, the Knicks rather, are going to want the second best point guard out there, and I think that Kemba fits that role. Uh, you know, you could argue with D'Angelo Russell going forward, but I think that that's what's going to end up for the Knicks, that uh, Kemba's going to go to the Knicks. Yeah, I think um, Durant has already checked his ticket to New York, and I think, you know, Kyrie is going to stay in Boston, as you said, and I believe that. So I think Kevin Durant's not going to go to New York by himself. I think a lot of people are underestimating Kemba Walker, because I think most of the stories have been focused on the uh, Kevin Durant, Kyrie scenarios, uh, but I think Kemba Walker is a good player. He was an all-star, and I think he would be a good fit in New York. He's a you know New York kid and someone who is just a perfect New York Knicks player, and he really doesn't have a lot of drama that goes around him. And I think personally, he'd be a good fit. And a lot of people, you know, are just not really paying attention to him in a sense, but he's a good fit for New York. Yeah, I think that he's definitely shown that he can do things on his own in that he can, you know, put up some good numbers on his own in terms of, you know, doing well, going into the playoffs and stuff. That That's a little left to be desired, desired so far. But I think that the team he has around him, you know, Jeremy Lamb, Marvin Williams, or Cody Zeller, I think that he's obviously, it's tough being just the, the guy on your team. 
I think that when he does pair up with, you know, a good talent, for example, like you mentioned, KD, uh, on the Knicks, going forward, you know, his numbers are definitely going to take a hit. But how is he going to be able to produce, you know, being with someone who, you know, is also going to need the ball? I mean, talk about ball dominant. I mean, he's, he's, last year, he was the guy on his team. So I think that going forward, you're going to have to see how he pairs off, you know, taking a little bit lesser of a role, but still having to be efficient. You know, going forward, I think uh, his numbers will drop slightly, not by much, but I think if he's with another player, they will drop slightly. And I think a change in scenery would be good for him because uh, I think Charlotte's just doesn't make a lot of great decisions, and there's no real room for him to make improvements there. And despite the fact that he loves Charlotte and loves the team and loves Jordan, I think. There's a large part of him that really wants to go somewhere he can thrive and kind of do his own thing and maybe try to compete. Because it doesn't look like Charlotte, the way their roster is built, is going to do anything in the near future. So, you know, as much as he might want to stay and as much as people, you know, think he might stay, I think for me I picked the New York because if Kyrie's not going there, Kevin Durant's going to need another running mate. And I think Kemba Walker fits right next to him very well. So, yeah, that's what I think um, on that. And then um, that's pretty much it for free agents, uh, the big ones at least, um, and I guess Anthony Davis. So the final thing I kind of want to talk about is, uh, I know we talked a lot about Anthony Davis already in the Celtics and stuff, but kind of what your thoughts are for the Celtics offseason. If you were to kind of map it out, where do you think they need to go at this point uh, starting out? Yeah, I think that. First off, you need to, I mean, maybe not the first thing you do, but I think that, for one, you need to secure uh, Al Horford. I think that going forward, securing him with a little bit longer of a contract would be definitely a first step in, you know, kind of solidifying a good base for your team. I don't see him going anywhere else. I don't see him, uh, you know, not doing that. But if Kyrie leaves, it definitely puts up a little bit of a question mark. But I think going forward, having him as a solid base, you know, getting that longer contract would be good for the team, uh, having that veteran presence in the locker room. Uh, obviously, you know, stay away from Terry Rozier. I think that at the end of the day, you know, he's not gonna, he doesn't want to be here and we don't want him. And there's obviously going to be other teams, possible other suitors going forward. But again, just let him, let him ride, let him go somewhere else and fill that role for a second, you know, backup point guard. I know we've talked about off the podcast, uh, possible landing, uh, Possible backup point cards for the team, but uh, I think going forward, you just need to have Kyrie as a priority and uh, try and make that trade with AD. Those are obviously, you know, your number one priorities, but I think that, like I mentioned, having Al Horford as a good base, uh, good foundation is uh, definitely a starting point. And then additionally, Aaron Baines, you know, continuing with him, I think we resign and uh, go forward with that. Uh, what else? Uh, who else is up? Marcus Morris is a free agent. So yeah, I think he's, I think he's gonna stay, um, just because they could use him whether it's off the bench or in the starting lineup, and he's given them a lot of good minutes, and so I think he's gonna stay. Kind of going off of what you said first with Al Horford, most uh, people I've uh, looked up on Twitter and on different articles and podcasts and stuff about the Celtics have said that they think Al Horford should resign. I think he should resign. Probably restructure his deal to a four-year, five-year deal, making instead of 
thirty million the next year, twenty million. So kind of structuring it to, you know, something like a four-year, eighty million dollar deal instead of just the one-year thirty million. And I think it works for Boston because it gives them ten million in open cap space they can use, and then it also secures Al Horford. And I think Al Horford's important to their team. Then piggybacking on that. I think you need to trade for Anthony Davis first to even have consideration for Kyrie because I think if you don't get AD, then I don't think Kyrie has a reason to come back. And I think if you do get AD, then I think you know he can convince Kyrie to stay. I think Danny Ainge is good at convincing Kyrie. Brad Stevens, if you get rid of some of those young players, like I said, and kind of fill your roster with veterans, I think that's going to be something that works. Like you said, get rid of Rozier, let him walk. Some other team can pay him absurd money to just not do anything. And then Aaron Baines has a player option, so he's probably going to use that and stay with Boston. I think, um, you know, they can try to get some shooters in the draft. Um, If they have two draft picks or one draft pick or whatever, they can try to get some shooters, maybe try to get a backup point guard. Um, If they can try to get someone like Ricky Rubio maybe or Patrick Beverly to be their backup point guard, that could work. Although I think Patrick Beverly is probably going to um, make himself uh, more uh, money next year because he had a pretty good, at least the first round when uh, he played against Golden State. And so I think uh, the Celtics, you know, they have a lot of questions. And I think Danny Ainge is a good owner. And I think Danny Ainge is a good general manager in that sense where he's probably looked at every situation. He's probably looked at situations where Kyrie stays and AD doesn't come where they both come, where they both leave. And so I have full faith that Danny Ainge is going to make the best decisions for the Celtics, whether that is getting Kyrie and AD or whether it's, you know, doing some other stuff or keeping Al Horford or um, whatever. I just think, you know, if the Celtics want to stay competitive, they got to get Anthony Davis first to keep Kyrie here. Yeah, I think that kind of what you mentioned, uh, going for Anthony Davis first. I mean, obviously, if... They get Anthony Davis, you know, the dominoes are going to fall in their place. They're going to have no problem signing uh, Kyrie. They're going to have no problem uh, with Marcus Morris kind of negotiating with that. And they're going to have no problem really with uh, Al Horford negotiating a long-term deal. I think that obviously they end up getting Anthony Davis first and foremost. That's your number one priority. And like you mentioned, you know, Danny obviously has a scenario where if they both leave, if they both say whatever. And I think that... Uh, Going forward, like you mentioned, having that f- first domino, if you will, of getting Anthony Davis would definitely be a great first step. But I think that additionally, you need a plan for afterwards. I, I it's not a shoe in by any means of the imagination, but I think that you know planning about getting a backup point guard, someone to be behind Kyrie when when and if he comes back. I think that that's an important part. And then also additionally, you know, with Aaron Baines and with Marcus Morris, you know, trying to negotiate that a little bit more. And, you know, I think going forward, you kind of need it with Marcus Morris, with bringing in more talent. He needs to know his role. And if he's willing to accept that role of, you know, he, maybe he starts, maybe he doesn't, but a little less of a role than, you know, I saw Marcus Morris. I think that that's definitely something, if he's willing to accept, you know, Celtics fans would 100% be happy to have him back. Yeah, I like Marcus Morris a lot, but I think if they get AD, I think Marcus Morris is not going to st- he's not going to start every game, obviously. But I think they're going to try and rotate Anthony Davis and Al Horford in the center position, and then rotate uh, Al Horford at power forward with Anthony Davis at center, and then 
have Anthony Davis and um, Marcus Morris at power forward and stuff. I think if Marcus Morris knows his role as being someone who's a six-man, someone who maybe starts a few games if Al Horford needs some rest or if AD needs some rest. But I think if he's willing to kind of adapt to that system, I think it's definitely something that's interesting, and I think it could work, and then it would be a good fit. So if Anthony Davis you know, gets traded, Kyrie signs, what is the starting lineup? You know, go, first game of the season, everyone's healthy. What's the first? What's the first starting lineup? So I guess the starting lineup depends on who gets traded. Now, if let's say Tatum, Marcus Smart, and then some picks. So they keep Jalen Brown. Yeah, I would say Kyrie, Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward, Al Horford, Anthony Davis. Or if you wanted to, you could take out Jalen Brown, put Hayward at the shooting guard. Marcus Morris at small forward, and then have power forward uh, Al Horford. Yeah, I I probably agree. I think that I'd probably say Jalen Brown starting, just go, going forward, trying to you know get him at progress to progress. But I think that you could really interchange Jalen Brown with uh, Marcus Morris. I think that having Hayward, Horford. AD and Kyrie, you know, that's kind of, that's your solid base. I think those are really not too interchangeable. Yeah, I think that's the perfect. Now, the question now becomes, will Gordon Hayward be Gordon Hayward of Utah that was an all-star, or Gordon Hayward who's just regular Gordon Hayward last year? And so I think, you know, hopefully he turns out to be himself, or at least to be a better version of himself. Do you think if they get Anthony Davis – that hurts his chances of becoming the former all-star Gordon Hayward, or does having that bring out that sort of all-star talent that he once had with AD? Yeah, so I think that he'd definitely do better, in my opinion, in a system where he's not relied on to be the sole scorer or the sole production maker. I think that having being in a system with you know another star or another two stars, I think will help him to... I don't know if I want to say put less pressure on it, but you're not going to be under so much of a microscope. You know, if he's on a team where, like Phoenix Suns, where it's only him and Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton, I think that, you know, he's going to be paid more attention to. I think that he's going to be relied on a little bit more as opposed to being on the Celtics. And obviously, with that, a little bit less of a microscope. I think that, you know, he only averaged 12 points a game, but he's coming off of a major, major, major injury. I think that people need to give him a little bit more credit. I mean, he started to show his, show a little bit more towards the end of the season and kind of took a step back in the playoffs. But I think that overall, I mean, it, people don't give him enough credit. You know, if this season is a lot like last season, then then you can kind of put him a little bit under more scrutiny. But I think that what you need to consider is that, you know, he came off a major injury. So this, even though he averaged 11 points during the year, he averaged 10 during 10 during the playoffs this year. I think that, you know, that's definitely something that it's a concern, a little bit of a step back as he, he had a couple 30-point games towards the end of the season uh, for the Celtics. And I think that, you know, you have to, going back to the original question of what's the system that's better, I think that having those stars around you, it can help. But, again, it having too many stars and, a little bit less importance on you in, in the play in the grand scheme of things. It's, it'll be tough, but I think that overall, not having too much pressure on you and you know 
not ha being too under too much of a of a microscope, if you will, definitely will benefit him to a certain extent. But he still needs to produce, and I think that this will be, you know, take out last season. This is going to be his real first season back, and he's really going to prove himself. I think one of the good things about having Anthony Davis and having this sort of situation for Hayward is he gets to focus on certain things that he wouldn't have to focus on or wouldn't get the chance to focus on if he was on you know, his own team. When he was on Utah, he had to do everything because it was his team and he was the one kind of running the show. But I think Hayward is a great shooter, and I think he can focus on his shooting and his threes. And I think one of the things the Celtics have needed is someone who's a spot-up shooter, a lights-out shooter. And I think one of the great things about having Kyrie, Al Horford, and Anthony Davis is gives Gordon Hayward a chance to perfect his three-point shot and perfect his shooting so he is a more threat at the three-point line. And it gives them you know, another option there. And I think for Gordon Hayward going forward now, he has to fo find something to focus on and become very good. Like Marcus Smart's good on the Celtics because he knows his role is defense. Granted, sometimes he takes shots and tries to be the hero, but for the majority of what Marcus Smart does, it's basically great defense and lockdown, you know, ball dominance on the corners and all over the court. And so if Gordon Hayward can find something that, you know, makes him specific, like if he wants to be like the JJ Redick of the Reddick of the Celtics then maybe that makes a lot of sense because then he can just focus on that and save everything else to the other players. And I don't think he would have to focus on all this other stuff that some players have to deal with. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with that. I think that going forward, you know, you're going to hopefully have a completely different team for the better. Uh, and I think that, you know, taking that first part of the season to kind of, you know, f figure out the kinks and then really, you know, put it into overdrive, kind of like what he did a little bit at the end of this, this season, you kind of saw glimpses of it at, in certain games. But again, taking away those points where those games where he had less than five points and less than two shots, you know, those those games need to be completely eliminated. And I, I fully expect them to be eliminated. But just like I mentioned, a little bit of a step back in the playoffs. But just going forward, you know, having less of those bad games and you know more of those thirty point games, I'm, obviously, is going to be beneficial. But I just think that you know, having him a little bit more involved in the offense. You know, there are some games where he only had two or three shots in the playoffs, and obviously that's just not going to cut it. And I think that maybe that's him being a little too passive. Maybe it's just him not being too much integrated into the offense. You know, what whatever it may be, I think that he just needs to – he's a shooter and he's a scorer fundamentally. I think that that's what he needs to, you know, demand when he's on the court. I mean, again, it's going to be tough having those – other superstars, but again, having those not so great games will definitely, uh, definitely bring back the attention to him, and maybe he'll help him to kind of go into a role. That's at least what I'm hoping for. Yeah, I would agree with that. So, um, I think that was, uh, or this is a good point to uh, kind of finish it off. Um, I think you know the Celtics have a lot of questions. I think. No one really knows what's going to happen. I don't think Kyrie knows what's going to happen. I think, you know, once the playoffs end and we see how the finals go, we'll get a clearer picture on where everyone sits. But I think, you know, don't always believe what the articles and what the different analysts out there are saying because a lot of people are saying Kyrie is not coming back to Boston. 
or AD is not going to be someone that they go after. But no one really knows. It's all speculation. It's all opinion. And a lot of the mainstream media is either Lakers fans or Lakers LA people or New York people who obviously have their biases against the Celtics in Boston. And so a lot of these articles being written saying, oh, Kyrie's not going back to Boston, it's all speculation and it's all from people who don't want to see that. So, you know, it's not always a good thing to listen to what the articles say right now. And for me, at least, I try not to kind of let those articles dictate how I see the offseason going until I actually get proof. And I think the only real proof I have right now in terms of AD and Kyrie and Boston and anything is that I think the Celtics are going to have to get Anthony Davis first before they get any shot at Kyrie. And I think if they don't, Kyrie's probably out the door. I think they need Anthony Davis first in that timing, I think, is something. So just kind of uh, that's what I think. And I think it was a pretty good uh, episode. I thought it was uh, great having Sam on the show. Uh, thank you for um, being here this week. And, uh, yeah, thank you. Going forward, uh I'll be back here next week. Uh, more Celtic talk, and hopefully, uh, hopefully, when we're talking, uh, uh, Raptors will be winning, and uh, maybe Kawhi will be staying. But that's neither here nor there for now. Yeah, I gotta hope that the Raptors are up by uh, next week. So uh, thanks again for listening to this week's podcast, and uh, tune in to next week's podcast.